Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knudsen Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate- some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Bachelor Clues. And Pace Case is back from vacation, and we've prepared something very special for you that we think you're going to enjoy. But I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who picked up a 4TRR shirt while they were available. Those should be shipping very soon, and you will all have them in time for your first viewing parties of Katie Thurston's season right around the corner. With that said, please enjoy the show. Welcome to the pit. (laughs) 
Today, we have a very special episode for you. Someone is here with us. This person is a pillar in the coverage community of The Bachelor. He is a Bachelor expert, bar none, at a level that most people can only dream about. He is an expert tweeter. He is the co-host of the Baby Got Batch podcast with Camilla Salazar. An expert co-host. <laughs> expert co-host. <laughs> with us today, we are humbled, we are honored, Brett Vergara, welcome to the pit. What an intro. This is like so much expectation <laughs> to live up to. Can I immediately debase myself also? Like I, a lot of those things, like, you know, pillar of the, yes. the Twitter commentary community. Thank you very much. Expert, mm-hmm. not an expert whatsoever, because there are so many. Because I'm relatively new to all of mm-hmm. all of this, to the you know, just just to the pit, if you will, like in the grand scheme of things, right? Because I didn't what? start watching. Yeah, I didn't start watching until 2016. So you know, some people are over here, like I you know, never would have guessed. Yeah, no. that's a very magical year. That entry point is very significant, and we are going to get to Absolutely. that. We're going to get to your education of the Bachelor world, how it began, and all of that. But before we do that, to do that, in fact, we have to start where all things start at birth. Oh boy. Where were you born, oh boy. and where did you grow <laughs> up, and and what was your childhood like? Let's see. Let's what look. type of birth? At the origin story. <laughs> what type of birth? It was, uh, you know, hospital birth. I, I, so I've been told. Mm. You know, I need to see the receipts of that. You know, okay. I, need the, I need the video footage. But you know, as I'm led to believe now, I think it was in a hospital in Kingston, Pennsylvania, where I was at oh. for. Like two years and then move up to upstate New York, Syracuse, a little 315. And was there till high school, college, was in Rochester, New York, also upstate. And then after college, moved down to Brooklyn and been here ever since. So that's like a general TLDR of my journey so far. And in this childhood journey, what was your experience with media like? What kind of TV did you watch? Music, movies? What was interesting to you? So my journey i'm overusing journey now a ton just because it's like all right we're going to the bachelor <laughs> gotta say journey a lot um but uh no so i feel like there's something a lot of people don't really or wouldn't really guess but i was like a big time gamer boy in like middle school mm-hmm. high school for Ooh. a good amount of time so i was so oblivious to pop culture and movies and tv uh, up until probably like junior year of high school, because I used to be super shy, like barely talked to anyone, mm-hmm. right? And then it switched when I started. Uh, I started playing a little acoustic guitar and started singing. I was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun. Let me look up the latest artists these days." And then I just kind of got sucked into the pit of pop culture, you know. So that was the first one, uh, and uh, yeah, and then that shifted a lot. So um, there are so many. Wait, playing the guitar did. Yeah, I would say something. Yeah, it's like playing with guitar, like because then I was like getting inspired by like the latest artists and YouTubers and and all that. Like back in the day, this is uh, what I was like ten ten years ago, a little bit more than ten years ago. Uh, and yeah, that just kind of like opened my mind to pop culture in general because I was like pretty like not like sheltered from it, but 
Uh, I just didn't go out seeking it. Like there's a ton of movies and TV that are just like such a gap in my knowledge. For example, I've never seen any of the high school musicals and all of my friends gasp at, at all that. Huge gap. Yeah, it's a huge gap. Yeah. I haven't seen any of them either. Yeah. For a pop culture pillar, I guess I'm the only actual pop culture yeah, pillar here. I think so. Seen them all. I think so, yeah. So there's stuff <laughs> like that that just missed. What, what games gaming? are you playing, if I may ask? <sighs> wow. Oh blues. my, y'all are just same Mind age. melt. Uh, so I was a big <laughs> Xbox Live guy, you know, so, you know, you're, Same, I still am. See, like, so I more fell off. What because, does that mean? So back in like, I don't know, this is again, like 2005, six, seven, uh, you know, you had your Gears of War, your Call of Duties, your Halos. That was my, my, uh, my trifecta, the triple threat, if you will, were, were those three. And then I got sucked into the void of World of Warcraft for a couple years. Same. Oh, honestly, so I look back at those days, and part of me is sick at how many hours I put into that. But at the same time, it was so enjoyable. Like, I, I, I regret nothing. It was just so... Dude, I have, I have literal nostalgia for places, events, things that I did in that fucking game. I, I will have dreams about, like, Goldshire yeah. or Stormwind. Yeah. The first time that I went into that, like, uh, there's, like, a jail underneath Stormwind. And the first time you go in there, you're like, holy shit, there's a dungeon in the fucking capital city. This is crazy. I remember that stuff very fondly. And I find myself now wanting to have similar experiences in video games. But there's not a video game like World of Warcraft. Yeah. No. I mean, it still exists, obviously. But uh, it doesn't have the same cachet. Why did you guys stop playing? So I stopped playing. It was honestly around when I started getting into like music and stuff. So it just started being a new hobby. Uh, plus, I think I was getting, you know, I was at like the max level and all that. And I was getting to the threshold where like people were just going to be better than me always, no matter how hard I tried. I'm like, all right, this isn't as cute anymore. Uh, and uh, so that was like the World of Warcraft stuff. And then Xbox Live. It was, I didn't have the community as much, you know, because I played with my cousins a lot, some friends from high school. Then my friends from high school, they just stopped gaming outright. So that was their departure from that world. And then my cousins, they became more intense gamers and still are. So they're, but they're like PC only. And I'm like, I don't have like the computer for that. I don't know. You're starting to get into like graphics cards and all this. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm tapping out. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I uh, I remember when I stopped World, War- World of Warcraft 2, it was, uh, shit, I forget which, it might have been the Pandaren expansion mm. or something. I played it for a long time and was in a big guild and we raid every Saturday and all that. And then it just became a thing that was like, it's too much. Yeah. I lost interest and I moved into other mm. games. Now I'm addicted hopelessly to Overwatch on Xbox. I feel like I'm reaching that point in Pokemon Go where... Everyone who's better than me is putting a lot of money into the oh, game. Yeah. And I'm like, that, I'm drawing a line there. So I'm so relieved, <laughs> not relieved, that's not the right word, but I'm so uh, joyed by you like still playing Pokemon Go because I view that mm, as like just every day. Literally, just like <laughs> when that came out, amazing. I love that. So honestly, I wish I did because I went mm. so hard on Pokemon Go when it first came out. And I remember it just felt Mm -hmm. such like, I haven't felt that pure, earnest feeling of joy one since, since that came out. But then before that, I don't know, since I was a child, like it really was just such this, (laughs) this lovely sense of like, 
of wonder and joy. And so when that first came out, I used to run around New York just, uh, yeah, like trying to like catch them all like all the time to the point. I think I lost like 10 pounds on accident because I was just running around all over the place. And <laughs> there would be like these wow, giant that's a great you know, groups in Central Park and and. Uh, I actually, hold on, I have a quick <laughs> I have a quick Pokemon Go nugget that I have to share. And then I guess we'll get on to other things, I guess. But <laughs> no, this honestly, is going to be a Pokemon interview. I no, would actually sorry. love this being a Pokemon Go interview so much. It's such a simpler and honestly less stressful time. Uh, but uh, no, so I True. vividly remember I used to go to this Central Park meetup after work like every day. Like this is, uh, you know, July, August. Um, of 2016. Was it people you knew in person? I would usually try to bring one or two people I knew in person, but there were plenty of times I just showed up by myself and just made some friends, and it was very wholesome and great. Uh, But, you know, really similar to Bachelor Nation friends, honestly, like where you just show up and people come into your life somehow. Uh, But I was in Central Park, and we were – it was like when people were starting to cheat – so, like, people could find, like, the, the maps that told you, like, oh, there's, like, a Dragonite, like, a mile away from you. If you can get there in the next, like, 15 minutes, then it's all yours. So, th- when I tell you there was, like, a thousand people in this in this group in Central, which looks so suspicious, mind you. Like, if you didn't know what was happening, that this was all just, like, a Pokemon Go cluster, it would just be so confusing. So, I vividly remember... There was a Dragonite, like, a, you know, I don't know if it was a mile away or a half mile away, what have you, but it was it was like five minutes. We had five minutes to get there. So there was a vivid memory of, like, I ran with a group of, like, a thousand people and multiple New York City blocks. This is, like, right by Trump Tower, you know, so that's, like, the area. And uh, I remember passing this older couple that was coming out of a hotel that just saw this massive horde. <laughs> <laughs> running by them and I still am like tickled to this day to think about like what they thought that was because there's no way to explain <laughs> it that doesn't like you would have to explain so many yeah. other things first in order to even get to there totally and this is a cell phone yeah cell phones can connect <laughs> to GPS <laughs> no I have a very similar memory I used to also be addicted to Pokemon Go and the central park of Los Angeles is the Santa Monica Pier that was like the mecca yeah. for it that's where all the Pokemon would spawn and to get down onto the pier you have to walk down this ramp that has a pretty steep incline and goes for a very long way everybody's down playing on the pier there are at this point in the early days of it literally clans of pokemon go players wearing matching t-shirts there's a guy with a big like red team flag on a pvc pipe and somebody just yells charizard is three blocks away and again it's like a thousand people in a cluster sprint up that fucking ramp and people are just like what is going on people who are not playing the game are like what in the fuck is happening it was great times and i don't know that we'll ever get that again with pokemon go sadly i know i just i it was just so magical. Oh, just see, I I feel like a kid just thinking back on on that time. <laughs> Dang it! I only played in Glendale, and we didn't get these <laughs> these high density crowds. I, I should have gone to the Big Apple. I do remember how shitty it was for friends who were you know like where uh, you know I grew up and comparing their Pokemon Go journeys to like living in New York where I was like, oh, Dragonite over here, Charizard over here. It's like, there's yeah. like a pigeon <laughs> like like a mile away from me if I drive, <laughs> you know? And I was like, wow, this is really some elitist nonsense that Pokemon Go is contributing to. Uh, well, I still get a lot of 
a lot of wholesome joy from it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't give – no, because I, I caught – all like one I think it was like 148 before you started having to go to like other countries or other like not even just other countries Mm. it was like I had to go to England Uh, and I was like all right I think I gotta tap out and then I didn't uh join back in with the the new generations and then I just got like left behind so I wish I stuck with it though hey we'll welcome you back anytime (laughs) (laughs) So eventually your interests shift from video games to more pop culture related stuff. Do you remember what was the first reality TV show you oh, ever watched? Man. Wow, that's a good... I don't even know if I have a ready answer for that, honestly. It's like... Because I wouldn't say... Now I'm starting to get more into reality shows, but I'm, I've am i never really gotten latched on to like other legacy reality shows like like Bachelor. Cause more because, mm-hmm. again, it's like this feeling of like, oh, there's... There's too much that I would have to catch up on that I just yeah. so like Real Housewives I've never watched like any of the Bravo shows really I just uh, yeah I feel like oh man I could never you know get up to speed uh, and then for whatever reason I was you able can to, like, I guess you can yeah no you can um, but I'm a more pandemic's watched, like, the, a great time that's true that's true I I should have really taken advantage of this past year a little bit more to catch up but hold on let me I I really want to try to think about. Oh, I know what it was. It was, um, uh, what is it? Beauty and the Geek? Is that what it was? The uh, oh my god, dude! Yes, I remember that VH1? fucking show. Yeah, it was that one. That? I think it was VH1. Yeah, that was like where essentially there was like this like beautiful woman, and uh, then all these guys who were like really nerdy were like vying for her attention. And then they were I don't really actually remember the exact structure of the show, but. Uh, it was it was multiple couples of beauties paired with geeks. Okay. Oh, and they right. had okay. to compete against each other in like beauty things and geek things, and then one couple would get eliminated. <laughs> if I'm remembering right, every week. Yeah. I, I could have that slightly wrong, but that's what is in my head. Yeah, I think that's that sounds right. That sounds right. And that was art. That was. I mean, it, it was very. You know, in hindsight, would not age well whatsoever. I'm sure. Uh, but I think that was. I think that was my intro. I mean, there were. A few ones on like E, you know, like I watched Girl Next Door, uh, Girls Next Door. I watched, uh, yeah, no, I guess it was it was those two that I think were around like the same era. Were you watching any scripted scripted shows? See, yeah, that's the thing is like I I really wasn't that much of like a pop culture enthusiast for a really long time, and then he got lost in I the guitar. Lost in the well, the guitar is like when I started like actually getting more into it, but. Um, no, not, not like a ton. I mean, I was, uh, I was a big How I Met Your Mother fan, but that was more because I had this nostalgic love for New York. So I remember when that show had its like series rap was right when I was about to move to New York. And so it felt very like special for, for me. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to have like some sort of version of that life in New York where it's like I had like a our our uh, our bar that we always like went to and I've yet to find that but that was what I wanted for my life was watching that show. What was your first involvement with social media? Do you remember the first platform you were on? Well, there was MySpace. That was that was definitely That was your first social that media. That was my first social media and then, you know, Facebook carried and carried all the way through high school there. Twitter I made for a PR class where I used to just like tweet random 
like oh here's what like this agency did that was great on social you know like i would just share articles like that for like two years uh and like interact with friends and uh yeah so i when well, i used to like live tweet like the grammys too so i actually just kind of <laughs> remembered that i i did that uh, recently, and I, out of curiosity, went back and and yeah, I was just like tweeting to the void. Like nobody ever engaged with these tweets. Not even like a single like on a lot of them. And yet there was just like this compulsion to. It's like I need to just throw my thoughts about the Grammys into the void, and that was a sign of what. So was to I'm come. not sure. Pe- I'm not sure people will believe you as a pillar of Twitter at this point. Uh, I don't know. Ninety three point eight k followers on Twitter. Ooh. How did that happen? So that happened when I started watching Bachelor in uh, in 2016. Um, I was at BuzzFeed uh, for five years or so, and I think that contributed to some of them, but maybe like only the first like couple of thousand or so. Um, and then yeah, like I succumbed to peer pressure, you know, to start watching Bachelor mainly because I'm a sucker for social watching things so i was like a big fan of game of thrones for that reason because it was just like mm-hmm. you know i could i could join the conversation that people were having because of that so the same kind of draw. and was this conversation at buzzfeed it was at buzzfeed but it was like friends uh yeah it, it was friends too like with bachelor in particular i kind of got uh I, I kind of got hooked in on two fronts. It was my my boss at BuzzFeed at the time was like, oh, like, you know, not even just me, but other people on the team, like, we should all start watching this. And she was already watching because it would be like a great like little team bonding thing, blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, there was another really close friend of mine who, uh, yeah, like was pressuring me to watch. This was Paradise of 2016, which is like great Paradise. So it was a great time to join. Uh, and uh, you started with paradise. I started wow. with par- real chaotic energy. I know, but I'm so glad that I started. I mean, with it's paradise. my favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> like paradise is like my Super Bowl. Like I basically just watch Bachelor and Bachelor <laughs> just so I have proper context for paradise. It's easily the most entertaining of all of the main games, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So what season is 2016 of Bachelor in Paradise? That was Nick's redemption season and or Ashley and Jared and Kayla Paradise. And uh, there was a lot of good arcs on that. Um, oh, oh, but oh, I'll- yeah, it was the first in my opinion, it was the first Paradise use to construct a crown run for Nick Vial. Yeah, it's the producers put him on there and said, you have to make it to the end. We're just going to keep throwing people at you to keep you here for the whole season, and then you'll get the crown. But we need to build your story into crowndom. It was a, it was beautifully done. I think. I don't he seemed know. I think him and Jen Saviano could have gone the distance. <laughs> <laughs> they seemed like they were vibing pretty well, so it, it really did feel a little like out of the blue. What? I thought so. I felt like Nick Vial could not have cared less <laughs> about anything happening that season. He was just like, can I fucking have my bachelor season already? How much of this shit do I have to pretend to be interested in? I was also far more naive back in the day because I was like, who are these people? This is, you know, so I, I hadn't quite, I hadn't quite, uh, I hadn't quite like crafted the, the critical eye yet of the game. So you started tweeting BIP. Yeah. So I started like tweeting that and it just, again, really similar to, the Grammys back in the day where I was just tweeting to the void. Like there was no intention here. 
Um, but uh-huh. I did find it really fun, and, and especially with that season, because I was... I'm so glad that I started with Paradise because it was so much more of a chaotic entrance because I didn't know any of these people. And so, like, for example, uh, one was Nick. So I remember watching Nick and I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, he seems, like, reasonable and I don't know. Like, this, I don't see anything wrong with him. And then my friend who I would be watching with is like, fuck that guy. I can't trust him. He, like, slut shame, Caitlin, Brins-. you know, it had all of this <laughs> Context. I'm like, okay, okay, we, we hate Nick, we hate Nick, okay, got it. Um, and then really similar thing, actually, so something I really love about your pod is that it really captures this idea that I, I really think with, uh, you know, this franchise is that you can go into it with, like, a different type of watching experience you want to get out of it, right? You can either watch it as escapism where it's like okay the world's on fire i just need like something to kind of take my mind off of it for two hours three hours if it's a weird night uh and then you know you're out you're not like following everybody on instagram and all that you can watch it and appreciate the game of it all and and and, like see like the strategy and all of these uh it's like oh what wasn't shown what was like sparked by produce all of that sort of thing how i watch it is this psychological experiment like literally just viewing this all as as like these are rats in a cage and it's like (laughs) let's just like do like random things and see like how they like i think that part is fascinating and and what oh god i couldn't agree more that's my favorite component of it is what the producers do the manipulations and how it's like it's not just rats in a cage it's rats forced to play a game in a cage. <laughs> right. It's right. like the the rats have an objective, not to just survive the cage, but to win some prize in it. It's beyond belief to me that this show is still on the air and there haven't been significant lawsuits yeah. filed by all players yeah. for destroying their lives yeah. and stuff. That, con- that, may be that coming, contract but- is, is uh, airtight, I guess. It just it We'll see. Like oh, I think in the next two to three yeah. years it's coming down. I can see that too. Um, oh, but like on the psychological like piece for for a second, like so there was obviously Nick, but then I remember like Kayla Quinn was this example of um, you know again I had no context of her or anything, but she was such like this good example of how I can watch this show with a friend. We're all, we're watching the same thing, you know. So you're you're negating all like the social media stuff and all that. We can like watch the same thing at the same time on the same screen. And I can be like, oh, like this Caleb person, she seems nice and she's like bubbly, smiley and all that. And the person next to me can be like, that's so fake. She, like no one's that happy all the time. She's way too optimistic. <laughs> and then I'm starting to like be like, this is fascinating. Like we're seeing the same thing and having viscerally different reactions to it. And then because I have to take everything somehow personally, I start thinking about this more. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I'm smiley. I'm kind of like happy-go-lucky. So it's like, do you – I didn't say this because I'm not like that, you know, intense. But I was thinking, it's like, does this person like (laughs) secretly hate that I'm kind of, you know, smiley, golden retriever, puppy-esque. It's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Didn't realize you secretly despise me. (laughs) Got it. Duly noted. They were trying to tell you – that you should change your personality. I think so. Yeah. They were using this as a mere vehicle (laughs) to be like, Brett, you suck. (laughs) Wow. A Kayla Quinn type. All right. Well, it was more I saw. Yeah, there was, uh, that was maybe the the 2016 Brett, the the 2021 Brett, (laughs) but more jaded and cynical now. But, you know, like uh, there's a dash of him still, Mm. uh, still in here. 
This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. So you came in with that BIP, and then you watch Vile, and then you watch Rachel Lindsay Ascent to the Crown, so on and so forth. Bachelors season 22 through where we are now after that Donald Trump seen all of that. <laughs> oh boy what what fun times it, well, the- well i mean you really came into it at, at in my opinion the craziest time of the bachelor because trump getting elected and what our country became all of that obviously has been reflected back through the show but prior to that when you're looking at like 2015 and earlier really ben higgins and prior was the golden era of bachelor like, really, Sean Lowe was in that era. That is arguably the pinnacle of The Bachelor in terms of mm-hmm. uh, conveying the fantasy and a ring winner who winds up still being married to The Bachelor and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen all those prior seasons now? So I haven't seen all of them. I've seen Ben Higgins' season, Caitlin Bristow's season, uh, part of most of JoJo's season. I've actually never seen Sean Lowe's season, so that's, like, literally the <sighs> crown jewel wow. of it all. I haven't seen for whatever reason. I think I was a little... Uh, apprehensive of like the, the religious aspects of it all. I'm like, I don't know. This feels like intense, but at the same time, I do know that that's like viewed as you know one of, if not the best, you know, or most representative of like what this franchise is, I suppose. Um, season or it's it's the least representative of what well, the I franchise mean, is, yes, but it's what yeah, they hope for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, it's not as religious as you might think. It certainly isn't as religious as season 25 was, or the last season of Bachelorette, where Ivan Hall literally gets dumped by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we've never seen or anything Hannah's like that. season, yeah. yeah, or even Hannah's season. It's become far more Christian, yeah. in uh, mm. recent years. Hmm. Highly recommend season 17, though. That's yeah. a must watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely really wish I got into it, even like a year or two prior, because I really, again, that was like such this golden time for it. And it also is when. You know, I think more of the the game outside of like the actual, uh, you know, screen really started being a factor. I mean, obviously, like the social media stuff, but mm. then that totally. creeping into, you know, it, it just became more of like this greater cinematic universe than. Uh, yes. Know, the show. 
we have broken the whole game into eras and the paradise era starts right after season 18 which is Juan Pablo that's when the first paradise happens and once that becomes this kind of like secondary goal of players they know that now not only can I win a ring and get some Instagram followers but now I can go on this other show and have a whole season run that becomes a goal in and of itself and it drastically changes how players play the game how they approach it because they know just a deep run making top four will almost guarantee it's like a 94 percent chance that you will come back if you make top four in some subsequent season either on a paradise or as a player in another season yeah you might get a second tour yeah and so that becomes a goal in and of itself yeah well and plus too like you can it's it's fascinating thinking of before well i guess bachelor pad was a thing too so that was you know briefly a, another thing that people could aim towards but you know, before Bachelor Pad, before Paradise, how all or nothing the experience was. Yeah, like I can see how it was a completely mm-hmm. different show because it's like, all right, I really have to like give it my all with this person. But now it's like, all right, well, you know, you show up night one and you're like, eh, I'm not feeling this lead. You know, this lead just kind of like a, yeah. you know, lukewarm bowl of milk. And you realize that immediately. So it's like, all right, let me f- figure out how I can like get just far enough to get onto Paradise and. Yeah, you can just reevaluate strategy. The last player I think that existed, in my opinion, who was like right before Instagram and social media really started happening and who did exactly what you're saying, like, I have to win the ring at all costs, was Courtney Robertson on season 16. She was a villain and she wins the ring of that season. It is amazing, her performance. Courtney Robertson's actually, I would say, you know, beyond the friends who peer pressured me uh she was like the probably the reason i started watching bachelor because i read her book before i could i ever saw the show and i oh, i read wow. it because, yeah i know i the chaotic order it makes no sense but i started reading that I love this. because yeah like there was a couple of articles going around about it and i was just hearing little snippets of all the salacious stuff that was being revealed and you know and and that I just heard great things about it. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, let me check this out. And then she made me want to watch this show because I'm like, this sounds like fucking wild. Uh, and, and yeah, and then that kind of coincided with my friends peer pressuring me. And, and then here we are. Wow. <laughs> Somehow. So you came into The Bachelor through your love of literature. I guess this so. Is... I'm, I'm an academic, if you will, when it comes to bachelor mm-hmm. that's it you know the the psychological angle the literature angle really trying to be a higher education about all of this so you're tweeting about the show do the tweets start to take off how does it start yeah. to get bigger in your life the bachelor yeah so you know started watching 2016 i was tweeting then and a good amount of time it was just Again, no one was liking it. It was just like purely for me, just so I could try to like make myself laugh at maybe one other friend who was paying attention to him. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. again, kind of like the idea of getting hooked on this because it's bigger than just like watching this thing. There's this greater community to it. There was also, um, well, so I started live tweeting with like contestants too. So I would see like Olivia Caridi, for example, used to live tweet that, well, she still does, but uh, she was big on, on Twitter. So I would see her tweets and I would go like back and forth with her a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like a, mm. it's like another level. It's another layer to like watching this. So it's more of this immersive experience. So I would tweet with her back and forth and then, you know, get like followed by her. And then that would gradually lead to kind of having these mm-hmm. weird little loose Twitter connections with, 
you know, current season contestants, and I was like, ooh, that feels like so intriguing. Like the fact that like they're they're on this show that I'm watching right now, and I'm interacting. With, it's like whoa, it's just very. It was very mind blowing to me, and I think that really hooked me. Uh, and then that just sort of snowballed from there, where I would develop these Twitter connections with contestants, and they might retweet the occasional thing, and then. Here we are years later, just re- and you know, I started going on like podcasts every once in a while, and yeah, it just snowballed to a place that was never the expectation, like by a million years. But I don't know, it's it's uh, and it's changed a lot too because I used to view the show and what I wanted from it as pure escapism, but now I think for better or mm-hmm. for worse, it's become this good vehicle for like cultural commentary and kind of like keeping a pulse of like where the country's at, you know, cause I'm over here in yeah. Brooklyn and I can easily just kind of hang out with like my liberal friends and we can just like agree with each other until like the cows come home. And even if I don't want it to be that way, it is, yeah, it's, it's a way for me to kind of be in check with like where, you know, middle America is, is sort of at. Yeah. You just have totally. to follow one season's worth of players on yeah. any Bachelor or Bachelorette to get at least a few pictures of people holding machine guns. That's it. And then you're reminded, yep. wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So there we're, we're different not, things do happening. Do I live in a bubble? Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. I've, I've never seen a gun. Yeah. yeah, I think we're on to something. So at what point, or maybe you don't know, but if you do, I'd be very curious to know, when did this transition for you from being just like, oh, this is the show I watch, I'm even tweeting about it, oh, I'm tweeting with some players too, now it's going to be a huge piece of my job, potentially my lifelong career, and how do you feel about that? You know what's weird is like, I wouldn't even describe it as like my job yet, because I, I really hide like my regular full-time job like it's like really much exists in the in the shadows because uh you know i I work in tech i work in ux and it's completely separate from all of this and even at buzzfeed i was never working in entertainment like it was they were never tied so i really do feel like i lived Hmm. a split life uh and i mean you know i would say obviously with like the the podcast now it's become a little bit more of a professional endeavor that said it's still the baby stages of the podcast so if i was trying to like live on you know, what we're what we're making on like the podcast we're not currently making anything on the podcast so like it's not really going to pay for a lot you know that's a little logistically difficult not um, yet not yet yeah, not it's yet. going to Spot. listen After this app it's drops. that's it that's it um, we're about to see an explosion of bachelor coverage and i think a lot of people are going to be turning this into careers very soon yourself included yeah and and for i mean this could be like a whole other tangent too but i think i think of uh you know when people are asked like what they want to be when they grow up it's always like one linear thing right and i kind of like the idea of like Mm -hmm. you can like i can have like this little weird side life whatever this develops into and then also you know like uh (laughs) one could say a little bit more of like a stable kind of nine to five and and we'll see like how long professional guitar player yeah a little guitar player on the side (laughs) too yeah yeah exactly um so i'm just sort of seeing where all of this goes and that's kind of what i've been doing for the past couple of years just kind of like winging it the best i can i would say to answer your question though um when I started kind of like regularly going on podcasts, like it was very fun, you know, because uh, I don't know. I, I think it kind of brought me back to 
the old like performing thing like in high school when I used to do these like little coffee houses and, and all of that mm-hmm. and then I you know more entered the the corporate world and I lost that a little I was also in an acapella group in college so you know oh. I, I think I kind of like missed that mm-hmm. I missed like that that world a bit and when I Want to give us a little capella? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, because I had a, to ask. It was a, I had it to was ask. a it was a band of misfits like acapella group. So it's like you know I have like a good karaoke voice, but I'm not trying to uh, you know I don't think that's going to be a, a side hustle by any means. But and what are there people in your life like you're you're working in UX as your real professional job? Yeah. You're doing batch stuff on the side. <laughs> What do the people in your life, coworkers, friends, family, think about the level of engagement you have with this show? It depends on the person. I'm sure plenty of people are like, just do not understand it whatsoever. But, and again, like I, this is why it's so tough when I see uh, like this franchise continuing down just like a really fucking annoying path, like with how this past season was handled and and all that, because there's a lot of like value I've gotten from the show. And I think, whether it's coworkers, whether it's family members, friends, it's like strengthened our relationship. Like there, are, there have been multiple bosses that I've had, uh, you know, like where I'm currently at or where I've been that, you know, we, we bond just as like coworkers, but then they find this whole weird, like bachelor side life and they discover it. Uh, and it, yeah, like it's like, I'm like a little shiny unicorn because everybody else that I work with are, you know, it's just, uh, not doing this like by any means, you know, it's, they're very much like very tech focused. <laughs> so yeah, it gives us something to connect on. And I think that's like kind of special and it gives us something like routinely to connect on too. So uh, I would say for the most part, it's, it's been like, it's been very well, you know, received and they may not understand it, you know, entirely, but I would say they, respect and kind of get like a chuckle out of it all yeah well i mean you're an authority on one of the biggest pieces of american pop culture that exists that is like in and of itself it's interesting (laughs) yeah it's it's very odd yeah no it's very i mean we're we're all very quick to or at least i am like very quick to like you know minimize ourselves but yeah i don't know it's i if you asked me like five six years ago if one i was ever gonna like start watching the bachelor i'd be like eh, like i don't know i'm i'm it would be like one of those people who's just like oh i just you know i i've never seen a season there's just way too much to catch up on i think i'm out so mm-hmm. this is a weird journey that we've somehow landed on yes indeed you're <laughs> uh-huh. telling me agreed <laughs> uh do you feel like your heavy level of engagement with the bachelor has affected your dating life at all when do you bring it up do you see relationships different so i mean i think i've connected with like more it's it's one like dating life especially this past year has been very bleak it's been very it's been very Mm. very dry cold winter if you will uh (laughs) but no i mean i I would say it's definitely like a you know a it, it's definitely introduced me to people, you know, like I, I maybe have uh, connected with like the occasional person on Twitter, uh, not often, but a couple. So I can mm-hmm. welcome I can welcome that, you know, if if 
I'm a big believer in... The DMs are open. The DMs are... Yeah, the DMs have been open, but they still <laughs> remain open. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> limited time offer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I would say limited, but it's like, I don't know. I think it's a pretty extended... It's a pretty extended offer. Um, no, but yeah, I would I would say that it definitely serves as a, you know, initial like conversation point and... Um, yeah, but honestly, not not a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, if I would be open to it if it affected it more, but you know, I, I would I would say for the most part, not actually, not really. And I, so adding on to that though, something I have run into is especially on like dating apps, like because I I think I ma- mentioned something like bachelor related, and uh, they'll be like, oh, you know, like we sh- we'll have to like watch together sometime, and I'm like, listen, you don't fully mm-hmm. you don't fully know what you're signing up for because like I cannot, <laughs> I cannot it's like it's a very I can appreciate that sentiment I really can it's very cute and I would love to do that Sweet. in theory yeah but um, I actually talked about so I had um, Mike Johnson on the on the pod a few weeks ago and we talked about this idea of like that's just like a very vulnerable experience. And now there's a whole host of other things like having to take notes for the for the pod and like I just literally can't. But even when I was just live tweeting, I like don't want a romantic interest to see me like that because it's not cute. I'm just like buried in my phone and I can't really even watch with friends because I'm kind of like an asshole where like they'll start talking and be like, wait, what would that person say? Like I need to focus. Need complete silence. It's a war room (laughs) operation. Yeah. The last time I watched The Bachelor with anyone other than Pace Case was probably 2018, I think. And I was like, at this time, we weren't doing the podcast podcast yet, but I was compulsively taking pictures of the screen and making like 30 to 40 memes of every episode per week. And I would rewind constantly. I would be taking notes on a little pad. I need to hear every word that's said. And that was not the case. They were just having like a regular viewing yeah. party. Everybody was drunk and like talking about other shit, not even paying fucking attention to the thing. <laughs> and I was just like, that's the last time I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Every other time since that, now it's like escalated to what we do as well. I mean, we we take a document that's literally 35 pages long for every episode of notes. We're taking memes. We're doing like everything. It's it's a whole operation. And it like there is no normalcy now. Yeah. I could never go back to watching this show. In a, a regular way, just for pleasure. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that available to me yeah. anymore. That's why I'm really, uh, <laughs> when there's like a new reality show, like for example, The Circle, I'm obsessed with. That's like my current uh, my current fever. It's nice to go into something like that because it's like, oh, I can just like enjoy this and not have to be like, how can I make this funny? Like, how can I like uh, have like a good comment and a good take? Uh, it's just a little more low stakes. You mentioned earlier that you, like, when you came in in 2016, you were like, oh, Kayla seems nice. Yeah. And then whoever you're watching yeah, it with like, was like, that. Kayla's a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> At what point, I mean, you obviously know there are problematic elements yeah. to uh, a lot of what's going on in The Bachelor. You're integral in the Bachelor diversity movement. A, a huge reason why we have Matt James, the first black Bachelor. So at what point do you begin to notice Something's a little off here with this show. And like, do you remember the exact moment, the exact scene, the season maybe that you were like, wait a second? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like going in even before, uh, you know, I, I watched the show, like everyone has just sort of known how 
fucking awful this franchise is when it comes to diversity, representation, what have you. So that's no secret. I think when I was watching Paradise and then uh, Nick's season of Bachelor, I was still a little bit more in this, like, this is pure escapism. I'm not really going to try to be super critical. I, w- I wasn't really considering myself like a, a commentator or like someone who's like voice mm-hmm. mattered, you know? So like, I, I think because I was just viewing myself that way, uh, I was just like purely there for the memes, purely there just to have something to do and talk about uh, on a Monday night. Uh, Rachel season, like clearly, um, you know, obviously it was it was pivotal since she was the first uh, black bachelorette. But, you know, the fact that Lee was casted on her season and very intentionally was just there to, um, yeah, just just to be this racist story arc for funsies. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that was certainly the start of it. And it's definitely snowballed like from there but i would say that that was like the moment where you know it wasn't just like oh let me just uh completely ignore the clear problems that this franchise has like let's and you know it's it's been a bit of a delicate balance like finding the mix of that um i mean i definitely yeah. think like this past year has been heavy on the uh you know on the on the, crit- on the critical side of it deservingly so um so it's just it's it's a constant balance for sure. Absolutely. I that moment with Lee Garrett, I agree with you that I think he was cast purposely to support a storyline of racism in that season, yeah. which is a tool that they implemented in season 10 of Bachelorette for the first time with Markel Martin, mm. who was called yeah. a racial slur by another player and then they built a whole story around yeah. that. This was Andy Dorfman's season of Bachelorette. Yeah. And then they have obviously used it again and again yeah, in right. any season that they see fit. How did you link up with Batch Diversity? So that was, so I have this Facebook group that's just like Brett's Bachelor Buds. And I started that at the beginning of the pandemic. So this is probably the very beginning of April of last year. And for me, I just created that group because I was nervous as hell about feeling isolated during all this. And, you know, especially because we didn't even know how long we were signing up for it. Uh, So, you know, made that group just to have a group of people to chat with and to not feel so alone, you know. Um, But there was no intent of, like, making that group. Like, I didn't have a podcast yet. I didn't even have, like, an idea of a podcast yet. So that group just existed. Uh, And then when, um, you know, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, like, really was gaining a lot more momentum last summer, the beginning of last summer, um, and... uh, you know, obviously the murder of George Floyd, there were some group members. So it wasn't started by me, like at the very, very origin. It was uh, a few group members posting about just what was going on in the world and how that related to this show that like connected us, right? Like, you know, we're on this podcast because mm-hmm. it connects us and same, same with like that group. So I remember there was someone who was posting just trying to brainstorm what they could do like just like as fans to like send a message or just you know this feeling of powerlessness of like there's got to be like just like something um and then there was this thread that just really evolved in that facebook group where uh someone 
say who works in like PR was like, oh, I could like try to like write up a, you know, like a press kit and like someone else who has been in like plenty of political campaigns started trying to come at it from that angle. And we had designers and, and all these different people who were sort of lending their expertise to try to yeah, mm. create like this, this petition. And then it got into a Google Doc. So I was like, this is really going to, you know, turn into something at this point. And then that's like when I jumped in, I was like, okay, like, let me see what, what what's, what's going on here. Uh, and then, you know, I've since, you know, gotten to know those initial organizers. I mean, it's, it's kind of ebbed and flowed as far as like how many people have been involved in it, but, and it's, you know, less now just because of bandwidth, you know, but, uh, you know, talked with them and we came up with the original asks that were in the campaign because our our big thing was like obviously we wanted to push for you know in in that particular time a black bachelor but we really wanted to stress how that wasn't gonna address you know the issue wasn't you know we've seen plenty of times where band-aid solutions are implemented and then you know you have like math season which you know i'll be honest like i'm definitely proud of the work that you know, like batch diversity did and i'll never know exactly how much of a of a factor you know it was to you know the matt james season um but you know just seeing how that all played out it's it's tough you know because it's not like what we wanted obviously um but you know, what anybody wanted. What yeah. do you Literally, mean? No one wanted I that. know you're responsible for. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that exactly. conversation with Matt's dad yeah. was all. Oh, Brett's oh yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's tough. Like when you when you s- see like glimpses of progress, like you're getting like this, like you know, two steps forward, three steps back type of thing. Like that's just like a really kind of painful thing to wrestle with. Um, and then you know, like with the campaign. Uh, you know, it, it was a lot more than just casting a lead that was BIPOC. It was also BIPOC representation and casting and production and post-production and something like hair, you know, things that you might not immediately think about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you want any BIPOC contestant to feel fully, one, authentically themselves, and then two, supported and comfortable. Uh, and they need to see people like them and be supported people like them from all angles, obviously, to uh, be able to do that. So that's kind of like the origin story of it. And I will say it took off far more than we were expecting it to. I mean, we just kind of like wanted to do, you know, something. And for where my big, like, um, you know, piece of it was is, you know, I, I had fortunately like developed relationships with uh, a lot of these contestants uh, over the past mm-hmm. years of, of tweeting and all that. So when we were creating the campaign, you know, we we were not like the first diversity campaign, like, you know, change.org petition. I'm you know, sure of that. Um, so we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't really know how to go about pitching it. So we didn't actually like pitch it to like media places just because we we wanted wanted to have something to to show so our strategy was to go to uh like contestants first and have it be kind of like a contestant driven thing um so that's like when i was starting to talk to rachel a lot more so she was really really helpful and um you know right before we launched i kind of giving us some some feedback and uh 
in, in giving us her support, which really obviously meant the world. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, the, like the contestant push, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We were just coordinating around the premiere of Bachelor Greatest of All Time because it was just a striking, you know, a striking <laughs> example of like the exact problem the franchise had in like the middle of this moment um, where, you know, black bodies are just all over the place um, in, you know, in, in this country um, that they were just going to showcase white people. Yeah, like you have you have enough seasons yeah. to have a greatest of yeah. all of our seasons, yeah. you know, to be able to pick from it. And then it's literally, I mean, they didn't even do Rachel Lindsay's season for it. Right. Yeah. It and, and they, you know, and I, I think that there were, they said that there was some licensing issue and I'm like, I feel like you could have tried a little harder, but I don't know. Um, and yeah, so it's ratings. I mean, that's what they always pin that on is that Rachel Lindsay's season was very low rated. And so if they did a greatest of that would be a low rated episode. They always rely on this excuse of money. Yeah. It is just greed yeah. in every case, corporate greed. And by the way, even though Matt James season had lower ratings than like Pete's season, for example, PP, uh, still won every Monday night. Yeah, right. So they still got to charge the highest ad rates of any show across network television on Monday night. Yeah. And so that that excuse is very hollow. But for what it's worth, man, I will say this. I know season 25 was like, it was what it fucking was. We all watched it and it was not easy to watch. Yeah. But I think in regard of two steps forward, three steps back, it might seem like that. But I think what you guys did with Bachelor Diversity, I do think you guys were instrumental, by the way, in getting Matt James yes. cast as the first black bachelor, 100%. And that threshold is now cross. Mm. Like it might seem like two steps forward, three steps back, but it's two steps forward and then two steps back, yeah. really. You yeah. can't go back beyond a certain point. Right. We now have had our first black bachelor. We now have had the most diverse cast on a season of The Bachelor that there has ever been. We had the most players of color in the playoffs that we've ever seen. Yeah. Like there are certain kind of benchmarks that have been crossed now that I think are very good. And yes, that season was incredibly problematic, but I am trying my yeah, best yeah, yeah. to focus on the yeah. things that are like good from it. Yeah. And there was positive change. That Conversations yeah. about that race. Season. Yeah. Well, so kind of spe Absolutely. speaking of that too, I mean, cause obviously we all uh, are, <laughs> Yeah, it, it took a took a bit of a hit like with with Matt season just because it was just so rough and you know problematic and just sad and I really do feel for Matt even even amidst like all these like stories that are coming out and like I just man after like what he went through like I don't really fucking care like what's going on it's like who he's texting and just to be frank um, but you know looking at Tasha's season or Clacia's season or, or however you want to refer it to. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would say Tasha's season, especially like her part, was like my favorite season. Honestly, I mean, it, it's basically between her and and Rachel because Rachel's season's always gonna have a special spot in my heart because it's my first Bachelorette. Same with Nick's season; it was like my first foray into the major parts of it all. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> to me, Nick Miles is the greatest player that ever lived because of his stats and all this kind yep. of stuff. I do I hold him in high regard as a player. Yeah, I can very much really? see that. Yeah. He literally has a podcast company now too. So like it's it's some of these people who, you know, obviously have navigated these these sponsorships and lucrative whatever opportunities after, but there's the occasional player who's just taken it to like another like 
unachievable level by any of the other people involved. Um, I mean, I think Rachel. We will soon be on his podcast network. Hell yeah. Yeah. What's putting it out there into the ether. Mm hmm. But no, but like even look at Rachel, like where she's over here on extra and like she just has so many jobs that I can't even, you know, I'm over here struggling with like two different lives and she's just, (laughs) man, makes me feel like inept with uh, what I get stressed out about. It's like, oh, I don't know. I had like a lot of meetings today. Meanwhile, (laughs) man. So I'm, I'm glad she's a part of that club, too. And getting more hate mail than probably anyone yeah, ever has man, in I this know. franchise. I know. I know. I just, yeah, I just like fucking hate the fans of this franchise sometimes. Not even sometimes, but um, I know. It's just, that was just like, yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. The, the nature of this game, of this sport, more than any other, is personal. We are watching these people date. It's an activity that we all do. It's not like if you're watching pro football or pro baseball. It's like most people aren't actually playing full contact football. They are watching other people do it. So they don't have like a a human connection to it. They don't have like a feeling of ownership over the thing that the person's doing. This we all do. Mm-hmm. We all date. We all know what that's like. And these people are talking about their lives and themselves. In other sports, that doesn't happen. You're watching... Uh, other professional athletes play a very specific set of you know kind of like activities in whatever their game is this thing is so different that i think people have this kind of intrinsic feeling that they have some claim to these people Mm -hmm. to all the players that we're watching and if this player says something wrong fuck them or i stand this player no matter what they say and you choose these little teams and it's like it's almost like supporting kayla (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Let's talk about DLH for a second. Dark Lord Harrison, oh aka Chris Harrison, oh aka the father of lies. Let's do it. What is your <laughs> What is your opinion on his return? Is it going to happen? Well, opinion on his return is I really hope it does not happen, you know, because I just think that that would be obviously a welcome um, foray into a new future, if you will, if they brought in somebody else who I think could meet the moment a little bit better. Um, A lot bit better, obviously. Um, (laughs) Yeah, who meets the moment better than Chris Harrison? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Are you talking about a moment in 2018 or a moment in 2021? Well, Mm. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where he's at with that these days. Um, As far as, like, if he will come back, I mean, I, I would like to say I'm cautiously optimistic about this franchise's ability to like do better i still like maintain that i really honestly trust katie as a lead a lot um and and i just think she has like a really good heart and push she's like from what i've gathered like really willing to just advocate for you know what i think she and a lot of us you know like want the franchise to be so i really trust her at the helm you know that being said i can I can easily see that they're just waiting to like slip DLH back in there. So if I were to make a guess, I think he will get brought back in at some point. I could see it 
probably happening for Paradise, but again, I do not want it to be the case. Mm-hmm. Will you watch it if he comes back? Yeah, I mean, I would say I've always struggled with this too as far as, you know, because we're all to a degree like complicit and like watching all this, right? It's, it's oh, very yeah. much, it's very much, um, yeah, a part of it. We have the same feeling. Yeah. We for we've been doing hashtag complicit for as long as we've been doing this podcast because to watch the show and know that it is problematic in all a wide variety of areas, not just representation yeah. of race, but most ways you misogyny, can yeah, all kinds of stuff, homophobia, all of it. Yeah. And to keep watching it, you have to be, I think, you know, of two, one of two kinds of opinions about it one is you really hope it changes because the thing you're watching at least for me the thing that i really love about the bachelor is the game the sport that psychological game of manipulation played over 10 rounds one winner left standing i love it and i think that for me that game is entertaining enough by itself i don't need the other shit i don't need the heavy producer manipulation that is trying to destroy right. people's lives yeah. using any number of these kind of discriminatory practices. And so my hope is that it will change and I think it will be okay. If it does, I even think the audience that likes that shit, at least subconsciously would be okay. If yeah, it went away, right, right. I don't even think they would notice yeah. it or even know? like minimize it too. But you know, one you know, like point with like the, cause you know, I, I wrestle with it a lot. It's like, what would it take for me to stop, you know, watching this. And it's a difficult question to answer, you know, especially because, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot that, that needs to be changed. And it's also hard to see the changes, right? You know, because we don't have full visibility into like, all right, who's everybody who's on staff, right? You know, it's like, we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have that information. Um, so you have to like sometimes operate off of this naive hope that it'll get, you know, better and it'll keep being like, you know steps in ultimately the right direction even if there's like three steps forward two steps back that sort of thing one thing i'll say though because i've i've definitely thought about this a lot is like i think i would compare this just to kind of like trump's america you know obviously there's a lot of connections with trump's america and, and bachelor world but i more mean like just because you don't like pay attention to it doesn't mean it's not going to exist. You know, I mean, Bachelor, as you talked about, no matter compared to like Sean Lowe's season versus this season, what have you, it's still going to dominate its spot. It's a, for better or for worse, a major pillar of not even just pop culture, just culture, you know, of American culture. It's a huge piece. And I really do not think it's like going away anytime soon. So with that all said, you know, it's like that's like likely what we're working with. What's like, you know, you can make you can kind of talk about how like that's a game, right? What's the best way to approach that game is the way to approach that. You just opting out like I'm not going to play is your way to approach Mm -hmm. that. Like I'm just going to accept it for what it is and just submit to the game, if you will, is your way, you know, is is the way you're going to approach it. to challenge it and and just be like, hey, I'm watching, and because I'm watching, I can see that X, Y, and Z are an issue that need to be addressed. And you can, I really think there's a lot of power in numbers, and that's why I worry about the numbers of you know the people I think are really trying to make this better, and perhaps naively clinging on to hope that it will be. I I, do, I worry about those numbers going away because say. 
if the three of us finally, you know, cave or, you know, pe- you know, people like two black girls, one rose and all of these other voices I really come to respect. And, and you know, Rachel, Rachel Lindsay, you know, if, if we lose, you know, voices like that who are really trying to advocate for, for change in this, then all we have left are the people who are okay with it. And I don't really want that to be the case either because then it'll just continue to be the status quo and they're just gonna like kinda get away with it, you know? So that's the other Or are we, to follow that metaphor, are we the people who are working in Trump's administration being like, I'm saving it. I'm no, making it better from no, the I inside. Know. No, I know. Or the deep state. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be that. It could be that too. Yeah, and and listen, like I'm also very open to the interpretation that that's just like a, a long-winded justification and continuing to watch is. Uh, I mean, I, I do think if you watch without, you know, if you're a tweeter, commentator, what have you, if you watch and you don't comment on the very clear flaws and that that the franchise has that's obviously a different level of complicity you know but again yeah there's degrees of racism there's degrees of complicity you know it's it's that same thing yeah totally i agree that to me was like one of the most interesting things to watch in the past few years has been lauren zima because she's now a mouthpiece for the show or was who knows what she's going to be now now it just seems like she's a generic entertainment tonight reporter not talking ever again about the bachelor but once she started dating dark lord harrison she became a mouthpiece for the show he would put information through her to be like exclusive stories or whatever and her take on it was never to address any of the problematic stuff because she was kind of like a paid you know company mouthpiece for the show that fascinates me just generic entertainment reporting about the bachelor as though it's just like it's just a reality show yeah but then you saw that try they tried to do that in season 25 and it was impossible to do because of the kirkconnell scandal because of dark lord harrison going on extra and having that interview with rachel Lindsay, it blew up into a bigger pop culture story the idea of racism within the franchise and it no longer is something that you can just stand by and kind of casually report on which led lauren zima to disappear from roses and rosé from all of her social media she literally could not even open her mouth to talk about it mm-hmm. for yeah. however that long however long it's been months yeah that fascinates me yeah. and it really made me think like maybe we're at a time where even the casual entertainment reporting on the bachelor has to at least be a little more aware yeah, yeah. like that that time is over yeah. now when you can just have people saying like oh the bachelor's on monday nights yeah. i hope yeah. you tune in yeah i mean i think that that really gets back at your point you know when i was saying that whole you know two steps forward three steps back thing and and when you said you know it might be three steps forward three steps back where it's like a new base is being set right and i, I do think right maybe naively hopeful you know that 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 is the case where you know, we're not going back to being able to just comment about this like completely without having to also recognize what else is going on with it, mm-hmm. where it can do better. You know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think the fence. I think the fence sitting is disappearing. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I started listening to your interview on reality steve and you guys were like the insurrection was going on at the time and i was like that for me was like a pivotal moment in bachelor nation (laughs) when everyone's being forced to speak up on it yeah yeah what was that what was that like for you to talk bachelor during the insurrection well you know know what actually so before i get to the insurrection thing uh 
Uh-huh. <laughs> also, I like how I just said that. The, the whole insurrection thing. Um, I've actually <laughs> never talked about this before, and I'm going to be careful, but, like, I don't yes. know, whatever. Um, Lauren, Zima, and I were friends, and, like, we've met in person multiple times and, and, and all of that, and uh, I don't know. This past, well, past couple months have been weird. Um, you know, she unfollowed me on, on social media stuff and we didn't talk at all. Um, so I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. You know, I mean, oh, I, I obviously, you know, think there, <laughs> you know, obviously there's a lot of people who very fairly, you know, so have like some, some thoughts around, you know, a big part of her, her job is covering bachelor related stuff. And then when she started dating Chris, that's, at least gonna complicate that job, right? And I think for a long time, you know, there was a benefit. There was a, there was like a, a film familiarity there, you know, you could say mouthpiece and, and, and all of that. And now that relationship is obviously complicated. And also too, um, listen, I get why she unfollowed me. I was like talking shit about her boyfriend. And, uh, and it wasn't even talking <laughs> shit, you know, it wasn't even, I mean, it was talking shit about her boyfriend, but, you know, it's it was just, I don't know. I, I, I think, again, talking about this whole idea of, like, fence sitting, I had a really tough moment with that, like, friendship, I guess, right? Where, um, you know, I mean, I can't just, like, not be vocal about, like, things like that. And if it means making a friendship that I did have, like, we went to Sur together in, you know, Los Angeles and, and all that, so. That's a real friendship. She, yeah, she took me there. Yeah, she, she was trying to induct me more into the other. Balls? We did, we did. I didn't have any sort of familiarity with, like, that being a thing, but she short, sort of showed me the ropes there. Um, you know, so, but, like, if I have to ultimately choose to either, one, like, be, you know, silent about, like, Chris Harrison versus, like, making this friendship potentially more complicated or non-existent literally have no idea kind of where we stand now um Hmm. i don't know it's just it's just it has to be that way i don't know um i'm gonna watch her follows (laughs) and see if she follows you back i'll know she's about to make moves yeah 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 so i don't know i don't know i don't know where she's at she's got to be in an incredibly tough position as well i don't know what her actual feelings are toward the dark lord but he is representative at the very least of her access to what her job was becoming. He was helping her career. Now he is hindering it to some degree. But does she still love him? Is the the promise of maybe a life in Texas, living in a giant mansion as he tries to ascend the Texas political sphere, something that might interest her? I don't know. There's a bunch of questions. But certainly... She got put in a very precarious position through all of this. And, I, you know, she's navigating it the best she can, I guess. It's just, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, well, it also, too, like, and I don't even have, like, the best answer for this, but it gets at that general thought of, like, how much a partner is, like, on the hook for, like, their partner's actions, right? Because on one hand, you're not. Like, that's not you. Um, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, you're in a relationship with that person. And especially something like this it's a values based issue. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of like follow the rabbit hole there and be like, well, you know, by you being in a relationship with this person who is at least kind of showing their cards to having a certain set of values, like 
where is that like where your values lie so of course it's gonna just shed light there so it makes it murkier as far as you then one being involved and then two you needing to show your cards and kind of kind of where you're at in a way that you likely weren't expecting to so i do yeah you know i do think she was in a precarious situation but it i don't know and it, i guess it was just uh it was always gonna sort of be a gamble you know because there there's kind of a you know there's a conflict of interest there a bit you know totally so, uh, but and also like you said the the franchise is like moving in a new direction as a result of all this these we've got for the first time ever two bachelorettes almost back to back coming right up one is white one is black we have two hosts of this at least katie thurston season one is white one is black the show is very much like okay <laughs> a little bit of the old yeah. bachelorette and a little bit of the new one yeah. for every audience out there and i think we as an audience are going to now scrutinize every lead every host every iteration that they are able to like turn out in the next few years to see what direction are they really headed is the next bachelor for example going to be a white bachelor is it going to be a black bachelor? Is it going to be, who knows what it's going to be, but that decision is going to be huge. Yeah. That is going to be covered in a way that it never has been covered before. Yeah. And if it is a black bachelor, I mean, eventually there's going to be another black bachelor. That season is going to be compared to Matt James. And we're all going to remember every terrible fucking thing they did in season 25. And hopefully those things won't be repeated. The producers have to know they can't do that again. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And, uh, no, it's it's interesting looking at like you know obviously the the call of having Katie and then Michelle because I was definitely of like the group that was wanting a BIPOC lead for you know the next Bachelorette. Like I, honestly, my first choice was actually Abigail just because I think she had it was like this opportunity to explore a story and um, community of people that's like very not represented. And I, I don't yeah. I don't think we're going to have like that opportunity to explore that again. So I, I do think it was this. Uh, yeah, this missed opportunity. Um, but so like that was that was my leading, um, you know, my, my leading want for like the direction that they were going to go. And then as everything with Matt was happening and you could just see like how this franchise was just putting him through the ringer and obviously everything with Rachel Kay, like that doing even more so um there was a part of me that was conflicted too because i want i don't want it to be like this like band-aid fix right um you know we we say that to a degree but then do we ultimately with where the franchise currently is like as it stands today not the idealized you know version we want it to be um you know because they started filming what two weeks a week and a half after the bachelor finale wrapped do we really want to put a black lead you know abigail whomever in the canon for like canon fodder that quickly like do we actually think that they're equipped yet the answer is likely no like the the answer is likely they need that they need to do a ton of systemic changes and at a corporation whether it's bachelor abc uh uh, is it NKT? I, for, I forgot the, the production company, but Disney? I mean, this is a huge NZK. corporate... And that's it. Um, it's a huge corporate entity, and anyone who 
has worked in corporate before knows how much of a pain in the ass it is to get like something major done or something little done. So there's another part of me that was grateful that they now have some time to like get their shit together so that they can hopefully set Michelle up for a bit more of success than had they put her at the helm literally immediately following. So I don't actually really know what the right mm. call is there, but it's, it's something I was thinking about a lot. Yeah, I think that like measure, like we can measure how diverse the cast is, the people who are camera facing, et cetera. But the fact that they've never shown any like path of accountability for behind the scenes, for diversity in production, et cetera. They just say, oh yeah, we're going to increase diversity in our production yeah, staff. Yeah. And we're just supposed to accept that at face value. Yeah. Like, Well, one, one thing that, and again, this is cling on, clinging on to the, the naive hope thing. So I remember when, you know, Matt James was, was announced last year. Uh, and then in turn, there was the, statement on instagram which is a whole other thing that's these statements are only on instagram they're not on the show itself that's a whole uh, you know on the uh, what is it the artifact do i have my not the artifact the article there we go i got my terms um <laughs> oh the document document damn oh, the it. document <laughs> damn it. i was trying so hard oh fuck i got nervous <laughs> I, I so like how appreciate the I so appreciate Thank the effort so at yeah. understanding what the fuck you're talking about. Listen, I was really I was really trying. I was in the right hue. Oh, I artifact. Yeah. You were there. Sound, you were oh, right man, around. So it. Close, close. Very close. Artifact's yeah. actually my, my the UX document. lingo coming out. That's it's like deliverable. Um anyway. Um, I know, I know. It's, it's another world slipping out there. Um, no, but anyway, so like the executive producer statement that was put out, like just on social media last year, not on the actual show, uh, you know, talked more generally about like we know that we have to take, uh, we have to do better. But you know, speaking in these more nebulous terms, the most recent one, uh, you know, following, I think it was following. I forget exactly when it was, but it was towards the tail end of, of Matt's season. Um, and Or I think it was it was when it was coming out in support of Rachel Lindsay when she was getting harassed. Yeah, I think when Rachel, when it was. yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one thing they said that was, they, they just said more specific things. Maybe one more specific thing, but the thing I really latched on to was them saying, like, you know, we recognize that, you know, change needs to, you know, happen within our staff, like including at the executive level. So that's something tangible, right? right? Because you can't just mm -hmm. say, oh, we're, we're going to hire. Those names. Yeah, because, yeah, because there's less names. There's less names to look up. You know, you can see executive producers right at the very beginning when the credits roll. You know, it's not just like, okay, let me comb through literally every single name that rolls. That's a little bit more tangible and we're starting to be able to get to that point that's not just looking at the cast it's okay mm -hmm. we can we can see who the executive producers are and you know talk about accountability them saying that if they say that they're going to hire BIPOC people who are going to be at the executive producer level and then they don't deliver on that that's something that you can measure I have a question it might be something you don't want to talk about what we got um the you recently took a break from Instagram. I knew it was going to be. I've heard that maybe you got what? I knew it was going to be that. I was like, it's going to be the death threats. 
Yeah, I understand if you don't want to talk no, no, about I'm, the death I'm, no, threats, I'm, no, but I'm I am totally curious. Fine. Totally fine. Um, yeah, I am curious about what happened. I mean, clearly, you haven't completely disengaged with the show. You're, you know, you're back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say... What happened? I, I would say with my relationship, not only just with, with the show, but just the the ether surrounding it more, I would say I'm back with boundaries, right? Like, I think that's why I really mm. needed to take a break from, you know, social media stuff. The main, like, TLDR of, like, what happened with, you know, with all of that, it was, uh, you know, obviously Chris Harrison, all that whole saga and how it evolved um, from February through April uh, was, like, the, the key component there. And, you know, yeah, I would have, like, a lot of people just randomly sending me emails and you know so that that wasn't all that that out of uh the norm if you will which is kind of wild too um but uh that you got threats before that yeah i mean like loose like none of these are i i would say like the emails and stuff like wasn't really even it was more just incredibly upsetting i don't know where like incredibly upsetting turns into a threat like that's that's logistics <laughs> i guess um no, but yeah, so like I, it was it was obviously all the Chris Harrison stuff, but you know, the Taylor Nolan stuff was really upsetting too. And that was like personally pretty yeah. devastating. Cause like, you know, talk about friends, like Taylor Nolan was my friend and I, I that's another friendship I actually don't fully know where we're at. We very briefly touch base after things. And I said like, you know, I made it very clear that I was just like really, feeling conflicted about kind of what to do here um and you know because uh not only were there so many you know communities that were you know affected by your tweets that that i love many people who are in those communities you know i mean this is like a trigger warning to stuff but you know she had a lot of um like fat shaming stuff and i kind of put dots together where when she was sending out like fat shaming tweets is literally like the year that I started like disordered eating. So I was like, Oh, like, mm. you know, that, that was like the same exact time. Like it was the exact, it was like within months of each other. So I, it was hard for me to, yeah, like look at that friendship the same. And then I, again, like don't really know where it's at. So I think after the Chris Harrison stuff and, and, you know, dealing with that and also um, I will say like, it's, it's tough with, uh, you know, I, I'm very in support of when players or even commentators, you know, like, like us, like when we have any sort of platform, there is like this, I mean, responsibility is a word, but I just think we have this responsibility to humanity to call out egregiousness like the insurrection or, you know, obviously when another you know, black man is killed by police, you know, it's, there's a responsibility, you know, there, um, at this, you know, on the, on the same token, the, the expectation for like immediate commentary is, is also really tough, you know, where again, like, <laughs> like a day job and it would, it would be tough where something would break. <laughs> and then literally like within like 15, 20 minutes, 
I would get a series of like ats who were just like, what's your, what's your statement? Right. Like, and you know, and I know like Mike Johnson has talked about this too. That was the, the mm-hmm. week of, of yeah. Taylor in particular, which I think was just really hard to, to have the right take on like that kind of situation and especially to have it so immediately. Um, you know, so I think. Ha- yeah. And those people are not considering that you're being personally affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I even talked about that on the, on the, podcast too where you know I, I shared like my experience but it, it was just I think that really that was what really changed my I think my relationship with social media or it served as a gut check of like where I, I need to be at with like social media and how much I um, I can get pulled down into it um, and kind of like it being like sacrificial to like mental health you know because there were a lot of people, yeah. you know, like I'm, you know, friends with uh, like Claire and Emma of like here to make friends. And there was a lot of like anti-Semitic tweets that, w- that were out there. And just the fact that like some of those anti-Semitic tweets were being like sent to Emma directly and like people were demanding a response and take it on like an affected group. Like it just that part was just getting like really like, OK, I need like to take a step back because there's something that's really dark about all of this and it's not dark in like the way yeah that you know getting <laughs> like getting hate tweets from republicans is dark because that's like a little bit easier to dismiss but this was just murkier and more complicated and tougher and i think a lot of times required more nuance that sometimes twitter isn't really capable <laughs> of, uh, of exploring um so the long-winded answer is, I think, the combination of factors. And and that, like, I think the final straw for me for a little bit was, uh, yeah, like, someone getting my phone number, and that's, like, where I got, like, the death threat voicemail. And I was like, all right, like, this is too much. Like, I got I to gotta reevaluate here. And I will say the death threat was not creative, so it – I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. Uh, you know, it wasn't anything too egregious beyond it just being the egregiousness of a death threat. Um, yeah. But it, but of course, like it, it makes you. You're like it was know, a nice death threat. It was a nice. It was like you know. It was like you're just like your average run of the mill death threat. Um, but oh um, no. But of course, you feel very. It's a very exposing moment, and you feel like someone just like really violated your sense of self. Um, one just kind of topic on or one one note on that is I think a lot of people are cognizant of what they put out there on like Instagram and Twitter. Be careful of what you put that out there on like LinkedIn, like because that's honestly where I think my number like got out is like professional related things because we're used to looking at Instagram and Twitter. But like, go look at your Facebook, go look at your LinkedIn, because on your LinkedIn, if you have your resume linked anywhere, someone can look at that. Your phone number might be right up. You know, it's just it's something that I didn't really start thinking about. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something I didn't really think about until I was trying to unpack, like, how did someone get my number? And then I did like a scrub and I don't really know where it was, honestly, but I, I have a feeling it was one of those two. But but yeah, no. So that's that's kind of like my journey with social media. stuff. I actually was. um one of <laughs> I was talking with with Rachel Lindsay a little bit like through the social media break and um, I mean obviously the what she endured was like exponentially more than I you know ever you know could with yeah. levels of harassment and also just being like a white heterosexual dude you know um, but I, I I was a bit I mean she certainly 
someone that a lot of people look up to and I'm very inspired by her. So I, yeah, I was, I was a bit inspired to do that because of her and she had talked about how beneficial it was for her mental health to just take a step back and, Hmm. um, and, and yeah, I was gone for maybe a month or so, you know, and it's definitely reset my habits too, because I, I want my relationship with like social media and uh, all the people that I've met, like I've met you two now through it to some degree. And, uh, I do value that. So I want to figure out how to make that value that I get from social media and connecting with like bachelor nation via social media. I have to figure out how to make that sustainable because it was getting to the point. I was like, this shit is not sustainable. Like I was trying to do my normal work day and just getting like multiple work days ruined. It was probably affecting my job. Like it was like, all right, this isn't, this isn't working. Gotta, gotta re-strategize here. Yeah. We experienced a similar thing. And again, nowhere near the level of like what these players of color are experiencing, but just a little taste and it, it ruined, it would ruin my days too. And I just, I haven't figured out the best way to, to handle it but i'm sorry that you went through that that voicemail i don't know i would be like hmm, deleting instagram forever <laughs> yeah yeah but i guess i you gotta delete your linkedin yeah yeah no <laughs> i know the, real solution. I know. <laughs> the most insane piece of all of this to me is that it's like because everybody who's messaging you shares a similar love of this game it kind of brings mm-hmm. us back to what you were talking about in the very beginning that you were sitting on the couch with your friend watching the same show and having two completely different reactions it's like you're covering this game that we all love. The people who are sending you death threats also love this game. Yeah. That's insane yeah. to me. Yeah. And that's why they're sending the death threat yeah. because you happen to take a stance on some version yeah. of whatever yeah. has happened in the game or the peripheral world that they don't agree with. And so they wish you dead. Yeah. Right. Right. It's absolutely bananas to me. Yeah. And, and another thing too is like, not that I, you know, value people who just have racist opinions and all that, but I think that there's, uh, like for example, like the the Matt James prayer moment in the very beginning of like the show. One reason I really love this show is that it serves as a vehicle and an opportunity to have conversations around topics like that, right? And I mean, I think Tasha's season in particular was Bachelor at its best because you know you had Ivan and Tasha talking about. Black Lives Matter. You had Ben talking about his. That was my favorite one-on-one date ever. Absolutely, (laughs) and you know Ben talking about his disordered eating and his experiences with like suicidal ideation and more. And you know, like like for example, like I've gotten my parents to watch this this show because they're like, oh, we want to connect with you, and you seem to like not be shutting up about this bachelor thing now. So let's just like <laughs> see what this is all about. And they've that's adorable. They've, yeah, I really appreciate it. And like, it's it's funny like just watching their takes on it too, and uh, it's a whole other thing. But it gives us the opportunity to talk about this stuff, right? Like, so like for example, um, like uh, you know, I, I had like a lot of conversations around. Black Lives Matter with my parents like this past year, but you know, it got even more of a resurgence when there's an opportunity to talk about it on, you know, because you see it on a one-on-one date and you're 
at the time <laughs> I was, yeah, and it sounds silly, but yeah. it's like, you know, I was sitting next to the, next to my mom on the couch with a lot of these like really intense conversations. Um, and then also personally, um, you know, like when Ben was talking about like his disordered eating, uh, I hadn't told my dad about that. And this, this happened like years ago. And then I did a podcast <laughs> where I was like, uh, you know, I, I talked about, it. I actually went on, um, uh, Caitlin Bristow's podcast and then also here to make friends and it just so happened to be covering that episode and I'm like well I'm gonna have a lot to talk about this episode um, and my my dad and both of my parents are really supportive of you know not only uh, you know my podcast but whenever I you know on others so they'll probably listen here um, but I had to give my dad yes, the heads get up. him in the pit. Get him in the pit. Yeah, hi, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a rose quotient is? Uh, not Stay yet. Not yet. <laughs> we have a lot. We have a lot more. Uh, Please give us five up. stars. No, they, they don't know how to do that. Well, my dad might. <laughs> my dad might um, no, but like I had to give like my my dad a heads up because I was like, I don't think I've told you about some of this stuff. So like, just as a heads up, you know, and yeah, and I don't know. That gives me wow. an opportunity to address that because it's like this I mean it feels really fucked up to word to use the word like safe space but it's like it's it's more of an opportunity you know because it's it's mm-hmm. a safe space because it's being addressed on TV so it, this is like okay well since it's on TV now now is an opportunity to talk about it yeah no I agree with you it's a reflection of our society and our culture and when important things happen in the game it usually is about some broader thing that's happening out in the world. That's like one of the things that draws me to it and makes me believe that it is much more than just a frivolous guilty pleasure reality yeah, TV show. Yeah, one the the main thing I say about it is, uh, you know, like Bachelor is a mirror of our society, whether we like the reflection or not. Hundred percent. Well, I I just want to thank you. I think that's a fantastic yeah. note to end on. <laughs> This conversation has been incredible. Thank you so much for being here and talking Bachelor and your entire life with us and everything. And thanks so much for all the work that you're putting into actually changing this game and making it better for the people who want it to be better. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. This has been, this has been great. Yeah, thanks, Brett. That concludes this episode of Welcome to the Pit with Brett Vergara. Once again... Thank you so much, Brett, for joining us and for everything that you do in our beloved game. I highly recommend Brett's podcast that he co-hosts with Camila Salazar. It's Baby Got Batch. You can follow them on Instagram at Baby Got Batch Pod. You can follow Brett at Brett S. Vergara. And thanks to everybody out there who's continually sending in all the great tids to me, Bachelor Clues on my IG. Thank you to everybody who picked up one of our shirts that is now no longer available, but we're happy for those of you who got them. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon episode from this week yet, it is a very good one. Pace Case and I deliver an hour plus worth of predictions for what's going to happen in our beloved game over the course of the next five years. And of course, we will be back in 48 short hours to deliver This week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to talk about all of the pertinent Bachelor Nation news, some of the parasocial plays of the week, some screams from the pit, and we're even going to talk about the state of the world. So please join us for that. And before I go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 6,966 days without an Asian Bachelor. 
Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. 
I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.